So what is it that you fear? You say, oh, I don't fear anything. <laughs> You're afraid of being found out that, of what you fear. <laughs> we all have things we fear. For me, my first remembrance of really being afraid was when I was a little boy at my grandmother's house. And we're down in the basement, a bunch of kids watching a movie. And as we're watching this movie, it got dark outside. There were no lights on. And slowly, everyone else had left the room. And I was the only one there watching this movie. It came to an end. And the credits are rolling. I look around. There's no one else in the basement except me. And it was incredibly dark. And I was paralyzed with fear. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to turn my head to look. I forget how I got out of that. <laughs> but there are times when Things like darkness, well, if you turn the lights on, it doesn't change anything about reality, does it? Or if we were to shut all the lights off right now, it wouldn't change anything about reality. But fear can often paralyze you. And we're going to read a book, only four chapters, that is full of fear. Every part of this story we're going to read about fear. And when I think about the beginning, the drama of it, the events that are taking place, Jonah, full of fear. People, full of fear. I'm sure the fish, full of fear, <laughs> had a prophet in its mouth. But this morning, what we're going to look at in these verses, from verse 3, when Jonah flees the presence of the Lord, to verse 16, is what this fear looks like and what it does. There are really two kinds of fear that we're going to read about. The fear of man or what we might say, the fear of our circumstances, a fear of events, the, the thing that causes for most people fear. And then what we read about in Scripture is the fear of the Lord. These fears are not compatible, and they will lead you in two entirely different directions. In the end, we all fear something. So when I ask you that question, what is it that you fear? I want you to think about that this morning. My challenge to you is this, that the fear, to fear the Lord, if I fear the Lord, all other fears will slowly fade. So let's begin with this question. What is it that you fear? And look first at the fear of man or the fear of our circumstances, the fear of events, what is very common to us. I would say this is normal. And it is natural. Every day we will experience some sort of fear. In this story, Jonah is afraid. And he runs from the presence of the Lord, which is, <laughs> how are we going to do that? But this is what he is attempting to do. 
We're not sure about what he's afraid of until we get later on into the story. And that's an interesting thing of why he's really afraid. But Jonah is afraid and he runs away from the Lord. Now the Lord is everywhere. We know that. And so instead of going northeast, about 500 miles, he goes down to Joppa, catches a ship that is sailing for Tarshish. Hard to say that word. You say, you look on the map, it is, it is the farthest place you can possibly go in the known world at the time. It is all the way across the Mediterranean. You get to, to the end of where uh, Spain is, is emptying into the Atlantic. And there isn't a place farther on the face of the earth to plan to go. <laughs> so Jonah is on the run to flee the presence of the Lord. That is the result of his fear. Then we have the sailors. They're not even supposed to be part of this story. I mean, the sailors, he shouldn't be going to Joppa, he shouldn't be on that ship, and he shouldn't be going to Tarshish. So the sailors are, you say, that, this is a mistake, this shouldn't be happening. And here's where we see the beauty of even though when everything else is falling apart, God's still in control. Because I see this as these sailors as a big part of the story. Jonah is afraid, and these sailors are afraid. Now, typically, if we get into rough seas on a ship, most of us would be afraid. But sailors, I mean, they've been through everything. These sailors were afraid. This storm was so bad. And it says that they began crying out. What's it going to take for a man to cry out in fear? Quite a bit. Got all your guys around, and we're going to cry out in desperate fear. Fear that they're going to lose their lives. And it says they're crying out to their gods, little g. So in that time, everybody, you had a god for everything. And people would create gods. Much of the world is like that. Uh, we're like that. We don't see it as much. A god is anything you worship, anything you value, whatever you value most. But they would have specific gods for specific things. And if one didn't work, they'd try another one. So they're crying out to their gods. They're casting their cargo overboard. Remember the Apostle Paul talked about that when he was in a storm to lighten the load of the ship so they're not going to sink. Everything is going overboard. So already this trip is a failure because you're transporting cargo from one place to another. And they're throwing all of that overboard. So a desperate measures. And then they wonder whose fault is this? And this is really woven into culture in many, many parts of the world. I've seen this. Whenever something goes wrong, like a natural disaster, it's someone's fault. People start looking around. I mean, anything that goes bad or goes wrong or any event or happening is someone's fault. And we're going to figure out whose fault it is. So the idea of throwing them overboard is not so foreign to these sailors. 
And I've seen that many times that when it's hard for people to break out of that culture, of that way of thinking, that when something goes bad, someone has to be blamed. And we, we know that many, many times God will allow certain events for good. He's always working toward good. So they cast lots. Remember they did that with Jesus? They're casting lots. All through the Bible you see this casting of lots. You say, does it work? <laughs> well, probably like it would work if you and I were to do it. Uh, let's roll again. <laughs> okay, let's roll again. Um, but I think God sovereignly overruled all of that so that the lots fell on Jonah, who was asleep. The man of God on the run from God has fallen asleep. He's not an experienced sailor. And yet the experienced sailors are fearing for their lives, crying out in desperation, and the guy who should be most panicked is sleeping. And I think a couple things on this. I think Jonah is probably so discouraged, just let me die. I think that's part of it as you read on through the story. And part of it could be I don't care anymore. I just, you know what, I just don't care anymore. And that's where fear can lead some people. But they cast lots, <clears throat> lands on Jonah, and they began interrogating him. Where are you from? What do you do for a living? <laughs> this must have been really embarrassing for Jonah. Because basically he says, well, I'm a servant of God. <laughs> I mean, the lots fell on me that I'm the reason we have this storm once he explains that he is fleeing from the presence of the Lord, they realize, you know what? Yeah, this guy, he's doing a, something really bad, and he, he's got to pay. So what's the answer? Throw me overboard. We'll call him the sea. So they, they don't like that idea, so they keep rowing. And finally, they throw him overboard. And what happens to the sea? Can you imagine that? Just in an instant. All through this story, fear. Fear with the Jonah. Fear with these sailors. I'm sure fear with that fish. <laughs> fear with the entire city of Nineveh, 120,000 pagan people, not God-fearers, but they're full of fear. So when you think about what might cause you to fear, be anxious, worry. It's kind of the result. What causes you to worry, to be unsettled? And I think when we call a, something as a phobia, in fact, I was reading through all these phobias, and there's a a phobia of phobias. <laughs> and it's not just that you have regular normal concern, but that your fear actually is debilitating to you. It actually ruins your day. 
it, 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 it sucks the life out of you. It's like, it's like the boy watching TV in the dark thinking, I can't move. So, fear of darkness. Let me just list a few of these. This is certainly not exhaustive. Fear of darkness or the light of the sun, the fear of heights, fear of flying, riding in a car, fear of subways or trains, fear of any kind of speed, fear of crowds, fear of being touched, fear of being closed in in small spaces, fear of open spaces, fear of needles, hospitals, doctors, dentists, germs, bacteria, the fear of pain, fear of choking, the fear of storms, thunder, lightning, tornadoes, hurricanes, fear of dogs, cats, snakes, spiders, birds, and the fear of people. Women, men, teenagers, children, strangers, the fear of relationships, the fear of marriage, the fear of commitment, the fear of having to make a decision, the fear of speaking in public, the fear of dead things, witchcraft, Halloween, the fear of clowns. <laughs> Did I say that? The fear of smoke, fire, starvation, of not being able to breathe. The fear of being mugged, murdered, or suffocated. The fear of losing your job, income, savings. The fear of being unliked, unloved, or abandoned. The fear of failure. For many, it is simply the fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what could or might happen. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now, how we got that expression was, in the old days, the people up above in the apartment, at the end of the day, were taking their shoes off, you hear this clunk, <laughs> and you know it's going to follow. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Clunk, it'll always come. So Diane and I, we have this little saying at home, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You ever said that before? <laughs> and I said, you know what? Well, we've come to find out that the other shoe will drop, <laughs> and we'll be okay. <laughs> so all of these things can tend to paralyze us. And I think I, I saw as I, as I looked at the effect on Jonah and the effect on the sailors, and I considered the effect on my own life, the effect of the fear of man does three things. One, it will rob you of your joy and peace internally. It will rob you of every bit of being able to smile, being able to be settled in your life. Those things are incredibly important to every one of us. Now, I know it may sound a little bit vain, but don't we all want to be happy? You, you want to have joy and you want to have peace in your life, and fear will rob you of joy and peace. Secondly, fear will cause you to make bad decisions, bad choices. When you fear something, you're not in the right state of mind, and you tend to react to that and make a bad choice. And so this is what we, we see happening in the life of Jonah. He, he is afraid he makes a bad decision and bad decision after bad decision. The recent events in our country, like the Texas shooting, the war in Ukraine, COVID, various forms and strains, political conflicts, upheavals, rising gas prices, inflation, falling values in your 
401k all cause us stress, anxiousness, anger. It's all around us. And so this is what Jonah did. This, this kind of fear that we've just talked about and the fear that most of us battle will cause you to run from God. Run away from God. But I want to talk about another kind of fear that will cause you to run to God. I liken it to a mean, angry father that you want to get out of the house. Or a father who just loves you so much you can't wait to see him. Fear. So the fear of the Lord. In fact, we read this throughout all of Scripture. It talks about the fear of the Lord. And we see it in the story. Two places, with Jonah, and we also see it with the sailors. In verse 9, we see it with Jonah. It says, and he said to them, he's telling them what he does, <laughs> the, the true confession, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. Now you stop and think about what he just said. He's identifying who he is. He's a Hebrew. He fears the Lord. They see that he has been commissioned by God as a prophet. But his life doesn't really match what he says. I call this, there's the rhetoric and there's the reality. The rhetoric is, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I follow God. I believe this. I believe this but your life doesn't match it. This is a really, really tough place for any of us to live when our life doesn't match what we have chosen to set as our value, our belief. And I would say this, you can say that's hypocrisy. I say one thing, I do another. In a sense, all of us battle hypocrisy. Here's what we do believe, we want to believe, and we struggle to follow that. And this is Jonah saying, I fear the Lord. I don't want to sit in judgment on Jonah because I think in many ways probably there are a lot of great qualities with this guy. You know, you read Jonah, you think, oh, Jonah, he's a, he was not a very good prophet. We don't know the whole rest of his life, the whole rest of his story. He's probably every bit of a good, bit of a good prophet. But he came to a bad place. And I think this is what we have to be careful of. You can walk with God all your life, fear God all your life, and then something gets to you. It just derails you. And, and so we need to be aware of this. In this story, it's interesting that we talk about Jonah fearing God, and he really doesn't, and the sailors who didn't even know God end up fearing God. <laughs> Both of them have revelation. God spoke to Jonah. He said, arise, go, and preach. Revelation. The sailors had revelation. They had the revelation of the storm. They had the revelation of what Jonah said about himself. And they had the revelation of when everything went calm. 
in an instant. And here's how they responded. Verse 16, the last of our reading, it says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. <laughs> Here you have those that are calling out to their gods, little g, to all these gods. They don't believe in Jonah's God. But now it says, They feared the Lord God exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Wow, what a turnaround. So you, you have Jonah, who you expect to be following the Lord and fearing the Lord, the pagan sailors not to, in a place where they never should have been. You see, again, these ministries of God of justice and mercy. Justice and mercy. So the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want your kids to be wise? I do. You want your grandkids to be wise? I do. You want to be wise? He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 25, verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord, you want to be a friend of the Lord? It says, is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. So we want to be a friend of God. We want to have a relationship with God. That's for those who fear him. Luke 1 and verse 50 says, And his mercy, God's, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So the mercy of God is being poured out to those who fear him. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? <laughs> I think if we were to go with the, the way most people think about fearing the Lord, it would be, you know, and to be honest with you, that's how most people in America view God. A distant, austere, harsh, judging God. That's how they view him. Threatening, intimidating, unapproachable. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I don't think that's what it means. To fear the Lord. Jeremiah says, "Fear the, will you not fear me? Will you not tremble at my presence? Says the Lord. I'm going to do my best in this section, and I'll, I'll probably put this in the Monday memo so you don't have to take notes through all this. I'm going to, I'm going to share some things that I think. Because <laughs> I know you'll be typing real fast. <laughs> I always have Susan come to my rescue. Can you type that up and put it in the Monday, Monday memo? The fear of the Lord is a reverential awe of God. Awesome is an overused word, I realize this, but it is an awe of God. And I've written down 15 characteristics. These are not exhaustive. 
Um, but, but every one of them is like explodes your mind on the greatness and the goodness of God. And when you get done diving in and studying these characteristics, you will stand in awe of him. And that is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. So this isn't any particular order. This is, this is kind of what I've just kind of done. And you, you could probably get a much longer list or a shorter list, but you'll never exhaust this. Number one, God is glorious. He is glorious. Glorious in his beauty, his majesty. He, he is the most beautiful, wonderful thing you will ever see. Everything about him is glorious. It is a glory that no human has ever seen. I'm going to talk at the end of this how you're going to see it. Number two, transcendence. He is transcendent. He transcends all things. He is above all things. He is beyond all things. He's holy. Perfect, flawless, sinless. He dwells in an unapproachable light. He is perfect. He is self-existent. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist. He wasn't created by anyone. He doesn't need anything. You know, people say to me, well, God needs us to do this. God doesn't need anything. He's self-existent. Number five, he's eternal. He is, he was, he always will be. He is eternal. That'll blow your mind. He's immutable. That means he never changes. Oh, he can change when, you, when he answers prayer, but he does not change in his character. He does not change in his promises. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. He's omniscient. He knows everything. How much does he know? He knows everything. <laughs> There's nothing hidden from him. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing. Nothing is beyond his strength. People, when we're as kids, we talk about, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? <laughs> God can do whatever he pleases. He is creator. Not only is he creator of all things, he is sustainer of all things, and he is the end of all things. By the way, I could give you tons of scripture, but this message would get really long. <laughs> That's number 10. Number 11, he is just. He will always do what is right. So when we say, we want God to be fair, he will always, he will always do what is right. He cannot do what is wrong. He's just. Number 12, he is good. And under the, his goodness comes his graciousness, his kindness, his mercy, his love. In all of his ways, God is good. He cannot cease from being good. He can't for a moment not be good. God is always good. He's faithful. 
You can count on him. He will never let you down. As I say to people, he'll never let you down. He may scare you to death. <laughs> he'll never let you down. He cannot fail. Number 14, he's personable. Wow, he's knowable. I mean, so far, are you thinking, how can I even get close to something so incredible, so awesome? He's knowable. Personable and knowable. <clears throat> And then finally, number 15, he is sovereign. The sovereign we tend to use for like a king, sovereign over all things. But in sovereignty, this is how all of those previous things work together. They work together. In other words, God is just and holy and righteous and all-powerful. He's kind and tender and loving and patient with you. All of these things are working together for really two reasons. One, his ultimate glory. And number two, for your good. How do we know that? Romans 8.28. We know that all things are working together for good to those who love God. So here, here is what is happening we are to refuse the fear of man and fear the Lord, not in an intimidated way, a, a dread, a running from it, but we run to this kind of God. And we are in awe. We are in awe of him. And I, I believe this, the reason why the American church has spiraled out of control is we have lost our awe of God. Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the fear of man, what can that do to me? The Lord is on my side. I fear him. Psalm 34, 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. He goes on to say, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. In other words, you'll have everything you need. Need a little comfort, need a little assurance, need a little security. I mean, whatever would cause you fear of man, God will fill the fear of the Lord. Now, how can I take all of those, listed 15 or many more probably, being all, how can I get to know that and think that. It's in the face of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is the full expression of God, the reality in our presence that we can know and hold to. And coming to know Jesus, you know the Father. God sent his son on a rescue mission for all of us. And made it possible for us to actually come into the presence of God and behold his glory and all of his attributes. Jesus made this possible. And by putting our faith and trust in him for our salvation, then we stand in awe. 
Now, when you meditate on these things, and that's a lot to meditate on. I mean, you just take one of those and I get to all the scriptures that assure us this is true, this is true, this is true. You meditate on this, the fear of the Lord. Here's what I'm going to bring. What is the effect? Instead of robbing us of joy and peace, it fills us with joy and peace. You know, when you, when you are in awe of God, you feel like celebrating, singing, worshiping, praising his name. And so joy and peace will come as you've never known it before, as you come in awe with him. Secondly, it will cause you to make right decisions, not wrong ones. Now Jonah's making wrong decisions. When I don't fear any of that, but I fear the Lord, I make right decisions. And then number three, it encourages everyone around me. <laughs> you know, when I stand in awe of him, when I fear the Lord, everyone around me benefits. When I fear the world and fear man, everybody else is having trouble. <laughs> That's the case with Jonah. Everywhere Jonah goes out of, out of God's will, he's causing trouble. And that is a stark, stark difference. So this last week I headed out to Kansas. And uh, Tuesday, came back Thursday, picked up my mother-in-law. And she's with us for the summer and the fall, which we're very excited to have her here. But while I was there, I uh, had something pretty cool happen. I pray for my family members. And one nephew that I have, I've been praying for for the last five years. He was 13 when I started praying for him. And I, I could just describe him as a kind of a lost, wandering unsure of life, and really struggling young man. It's like many, many young people. <clears throat> and I felt through the years, over the last five years, <clears throat> I've just seen that get kind of worse over time until you just wonder, you know, you can't just push a button as a parent or as an uncle or anybody else to push a button to, to just change all that. But I had, had a real heavy heaviness for him. So as I'm driving out there, his mom, I talked to her, said, I'm going to get in a certain time. He says, well, Andrew's really excited about you coming. <laughs> I said, great, he wants to talk to you. So anyway, I get there, and I see this, this kid. I've seen him many times, and his face is glowing. I mean, usually it's just kind of, He's in the basement, <laughs> doesn't come up, playing video games, whatever. Now he's right there, and he's glowing. And so we start talking. And kind of the short version of the story is he had gotten to the point where he was so discouraged, so fearful of everything, fear of the future, fear of, of breaking up with his girlfriend, fear, just, just, and he had lost all joy in his life. He was at a real crisis, 18 years old now, and at a crisis like, is life even worth living? And he goes out to the garden. 
he told me this later, and he said, I just fell down on my knees and I started crying and crying out to God. He said, I had my hands up and he said, I was out there for an hour and a half crying and calling out to God. Remember what I told you about what Jeremiah said about when you do that? If you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. So wherever you are in the world, the most remote jungle or island, if through general revelation you acknowledge there is a God or an awe of that God and you seek him, you will find him. So he walks in the door. I heard this from his mother later, and he just tells her about this. This is just a few days before I get there. I think two, three days before I get there. And he is like a sponge. I mean, we just sat and talked and talked about Christian life, about making decisions. Uh, you know, went out and got him a Bible, um, study Bible. And um, this kid is, is not only, his whole countenance has changed. He has clarity on decisions that he's going to make as an 18-year-old. And everyone around him is infected by this. So another family, still our family. This is happening to another one of my nephews that we've been talking to for the last year. And so unbeknownst to me, these guys are getting together and they're just so excited. <laughs> and they're excited about what they're learning, the confidence they have, the lack of the fears they used to have, that God's becoming real to them. They're anticipating their future, and they can't stop talking about it. And they're feeding on each other. And their other cousins are kind of, wow. And there's a positive response. And I'm thinking, only God can do that. Only God can do that. Not a mom or a dad or a teacher or a coach or, or a certain set of circumstances. When God answers prayer... And you know he delights in answering a prayer like that. I've seen this happen so many, many times. And that's why I say to you, there is nothing more powerful, more effective that you can do for your kids than to pray for them. It's not like, oh, well, I guess all I can do is pray. No, you get to pray. And God will change a life like that. So now I'm seeing this kind of spread <laughs> through our family. Other, other ones are becoming interested Remember I talked about the first thing that happened with Andrew when he did this, he had complete joy and peace. I mean, all, all of the, the anxiety left him. Secondly, he started making right decisions based upon God, not, not just what he wanted to do or out of fear. And thirdly, everyone around him, rather than being pulled down by his depression, was being built up. I love stories like that. But you know, in the days to come, and I had this conversation with him, Satan's going to come after you. Just like he did here in Jonah. You know, Jonah, Jonah was walking with the Lord. Jonah was a prophet. And Satan will come after you, all of you, like this. So every day we will have things in this world that would cause us to fear, right? I mean, all of us. So I think... Going from the fear of man to the fear of the Lord is a choice, a conscious choice we have to make and a commitment we have to make.
and to continue each day to say, Lord, I am choosing to acknowledge you. I am choosing to fear you. And then I'm going to try to, as much as I can, fill my mind with a sense of awe of who you are. Little children pray this prayer, God is great, God is good. You know, you could probably take all those that I listed. <laughs> it's like justice and mercy, his greatness and his goodness are coming together. So, Jonah had revelation and he fled. The sailors had revelation and they came. The fear of man will drive you away from God. The fear of the Lord will drive you to him and become a true worshiper. So I began by asking you this question. I try to do this to ask myself, what is it that you fear? What is it today that you fear? What do you struggle with in, in the fears? Is it something that is causing you to run away or to run to him? It will affect your life, your joy and peace, your decisions, and it will affect everyone around you. So my challenge, my takeaway for us today is fear the Lord. Get a holy sense of awe of him through Christ. And all other fears will slowly fade. Father, thank you for a great story, true story, real life events that we see even being repeated in magnificent ways in our present day. I pray that you would help us to get a sense of awe of our God through Christ and that that would drive all other fears away. In Jesus' name, amen.